Please pray with me. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. This week begins a series of readings from the Old Testament book of Genesis that will continue throughout the summer. And it all starts, it all begins with a divine visitation to the home of Abraham and Sarah. When God, through the mediation of, of three angels, repeats the promise he made to Abraham that he would, that he and his wife, Sarah, should have a son in their old age. Abraham, it says, was a hundred years old when he had his first son, Isaac, um, to his wife, Sarah. That's pretty old. That's pretty old. And make what you will of, of that. I, I think maybe these ages are a bit symbolic. But nevertheless, he was certainly old. Now, when Sarah hears the news, she laughs. She laughs. And this morning, I want to consider her laughter. Did you ever stop to consider why we laugh? Why do human beings laugh? Well, we laugh for a number of reasons. We might laugh when we are surprised. We might laugh when we are nervous or scared or when we're happy. We laugh when we are tickled. Most prominently, we, uh, and maybe most peculiarly, we, we laugh when something is funny. Indeed, if you were a visitor from outer space, you might be quite puzzled by this particular bit of human behavior. And that's the, the very situation imagined by Robert Heinlein in his novel, a Stranger in a Strange Land. The character Michael Valentine Smith is human, but he was raised on Mars by an alien civilization. He doesn't understand what it means to be human, and in particular, he doesn't understand humor and laughter. That is until he visits the zoo. While there, he observes the apes. In many ways, so much like us, almost like cartoonish representations of humanity. And he sees an ape enjoying a bit of food. But a much larger ape comes up and not only takes the food away, but gives him a beating. And the smaller ape doesn't even try to fight back. He just beats his fist against the dirt in frustrated rage. Finally, he finds some yet smaller ape and clobbers him instead. And with this, Michael throws back his head and for the first time, laughs hysterically. He finally understands humor. Not only that, but he understands People, he says, 
He says, I found out why people laugh. They laugh because it hurts so much. Because it's the only thing that will make it stop hurting. It might seem at first contradictory, but laughter, laughter, humor, is the recognition of the tragedy of human existence. It's thrownness, it's absurdity. Now this is the technical bit of this sermon, so bear with me for just a minute. The philosopher Henry Bergson believed humor, or the comic, to be fundamentally about discrepancy or incongruity, incommensurability. In other words, something is funny when it can be interpreted in two different ways at the same time, or when two opposites come into contact. So, here we are, the first Sunday in, in several months, and we're gathered together for fellowship and to give thanks for God. We're here all six feet apart, wearing masks, because it's an awful pandemic. If it wasn't so tragic, it might almost be comical. The sociologist Peter Berger goes even farther and says that there is one fend fundamental discrepancy from which all other comic discrepancies are derived. The discrepancy between man and the universe. He says, the comic reflects the imprisonment of the human spirit in the world. Laughter, humor happens when we bump up against our finitude, our, our, when we recognize the absurdity and futility of our attempt to escape it. Apes and other higher mammals, they might laugh for a number of reasons, to relieve stress, to bond socially, but only human beings laugh out of self-consciousness. And yet, we all don't laugh in the same way, for the same reasons. We all don't respond to the absurdity of the human situation in the same way. We can choose to respond with despair or faith, with cynicism or hope. So let's return again to Genesis. And maybe you will see a little bit about what I'm talking about. Sarah laughs. Why? Because what she's hearing is ridiculous. It contradicts common sense. She thinks to herself, <laughs> this is absurd to imagine a couple of broke down old folks like me and my husband behaving like two young newlyweds, right? Isn't that what she says? She says, should I have pleasure at this age? Those days are over, she thinks, in more ways than one. Young women have babies. 
It is an absurd and comical contradiction to imagine an old lady giving birth. But the Lord rebuked Sarah to Abraham because of her unbelief. Is anything too wonderful for the Lord, he asked. And we might think that this bit of criticism is unfair. Why shouldn't she laugh? It's ridiculous after all. And also, Abraham laughed too when he heard the news. In the previous chapter, when God told him that Sarah would be a mother of nations, it says that Abraham fell face down and laughed. And yet, God has no rebuke or correction for Abraham. Why not? The rabbinical commentator Rashi says that there's a difference in the significance of Abraham's laughter and Sarah's laughter. Abraham's was a laughter of delight and wonder, he says, while Sarah was the laughter of scorn and disbelief. And St. Paul agrees that Abraham did not fail in his trust. He wrote in his letter to the Romans, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And he was fully persuaded that God was able to do what he had promised. Abraham recognized the absurdity of the promise. He saw the discrepancy and laughed. But his laughter was a merry kind of laughter. A laughter of hope that rises above the limitations of the world. Sarah, however, couldn't hide her contempt for the idea that she would actually conceive. She had been disappointed for so long that all she could do was chuckle bitterly at the suggestion. Now, brothers and sisters, there is discrepancy in the gospel. There is absurd contradiction. It's ridiculously comic. How is it that God can become human? How is it that God can die in the place of sinners? How is it that a sinner can be declared righteous? How can I be both a sinner and a saint at the same time? From the perspective of the world, it's all foolishness. How can we not laugh at the absurdity of it all? We laugh because it hurts so much. We laugh to defend ourselves against a ridiculous hope. How can we dare to believe? And yet the early church father Tertullian said, I believe because it is absurd. I believe because it's absurd. It wasn't that he had abandoned reason, but that he realized that his unaided human reason couldn't escape its boundedness. He needed something more. We quoted Peter Berger in saying that the comic reflects the imprisonment of the human spirit in the world. 
Well, Berger also writes this. By laughing at the imprisonment of the human spirit, Schumer implies that this imprisonment is not final, but will be overcome, and by implication provides a signal of transcendence in the form of an intimation of redemption. Some of us believe, some of us doubt, but ultimately it's not our faith, but the faithfulness of God that obtains the promise. Sarah, despite her doubts, indeed does have a son. And when that day came, she said, God has brought me laughter. And everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. Who would have told Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. And it seems that this laughing couple really did have a sense of humor. They named their son Isaac, which in Hebrew means laughter. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.